Today's special guest is Amanda Thompson. She is the CEO and founder of Naughty Sparkling Wines. And I bloody love it. And the reason I reached out to Amanda was because I noticed in the Formula One, they were drinking sparkling naughty wine. I was like, that is a game changer right there to see it at the heart of that sort of elite class environment that's usually so associated with alcohol. Here she was getting that beautiful brand right in amongst it. And she's an incredible lady, an amazing businesswoman who's breaking down barriers all over the place in a male-dominated world, in an alcohol-dominated world. Amanda's right in there with this beautiful offering of naughty sparkling wine that's classy, that comes with all the pomp and ceremony of a real grown-up drink. And it's making huge waves in the market. And we need more of this. And I was so excited to see it. So I wanted to get Amanda on to talk about this on the podcast, which she does so beautifully and tells us about some incredibly exciting things that are coming up because I've said it all along if someone cracks the red wine code they've absolutely cleaned in the alcohol free space so we're going to get into that as well as many other things you're going to love this one and before we get there I just want to talk about September because I'm training our next cohort of coaches in our diploma in positive coaching that's double accredited by the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, the Association for Coaching. This is the elite coaching award that you can possibly get and you get to train with me and learn everything I know along with our incredible team and the most amazing cohort of people that are changing the world. And don't forget when I first came to this 10 years ago, it was two years before I stopped drinking. It was coaching others that allowed me to learn how to coach myself that accelerated all that learning that eventually led me to taking a break from the booze. It was coaching that came before going alcohol free. Lots of people don't know that. And the world just changed over COVID. Everyone now is comfortable using Zoom. Coaching used to be very niche and geographical. Now it's a global thing. It's the greatest time, in my opinion, to be a coach, to have another career, a side hustle, or something you can run along the edges of a busy life that gives you back, that allows you to help others And maybe you will bring some more meaning and purpose to your life and maybe set up the economic levers to work from anywhere in the world and do all that beautiful stuff. And I want to show you exactly how to do it. I'm so passionate about this because I want you to go into these active spaces. I want you to go into the alcohol-free spaces. Together, we can make the world a little bit better. Together, we can change the world. So let's make it happen. Go to andyramage.com. Go to free, F-R-E-E, workshops. There's a workshop for you, how to become a coach and love what you do. Download that watch. It's about 45 minutes. If you're excited and you want to do it, apply. Let's get it done. Let's make it happen in September. Let's link arms and change the world together. All right. Without further ado, over to Amanda. All right. So we'll roll into it. So what I really want to do, um, Amanda, if it's okay, I actually wanted to get a bit of the backstory around naughty and, and your evolution into the alcohol free space because i know you've got a really interesting story but also then when we get into it to deep dive into alcohol free products in the wine space which sure. i'm particularly interested in so i don't mind if we start sort of at the beginning really how did this all come about sure so uh, i guess i have to then take us back i suppose technically to my childhood when um my mother was an early stage health food entrepreneur and not in a big glamorous sense, but as a single mother to put food on the table or muesli on the table, which in the 70s was uh, not so cool and quite radical. I remember being desperate to go to my friends' houses for, for white bread. Um, so I grew up on a very healthy diet. And then I ended up working in broadcasting, BBC mostly. And 
I ended up in the art space where champagne was my buzz. That yeah. was really my thing. Because obviously in the arts world, this is way before social media. So you'd often be working hard, playing hard, sometimes on all-nighters, maybe at the Cannes Film Festival, cutting stories. So I was mostly TV and radio. I, I couldn't write very well. And so um, champagne was really something that gave me a little pep in my step. And I really became intrigued about how there were no ingredients in wine bottles or listed. And that fascinated me. And then I got into analyzing the amount of sugar in, in wine and champagne. Um, and that led me on a crazy journey to give up my broadcasting career, to move my family to Paris. And I studied at Cordon Bleu in Paris for their first ever wine diploma. Wow. And yeah, so I threw myself into that. And actually my, my first ever mentor was, I suppose, Gerard Basset, who sadly died um, a couple of years ago, he's probably to date the most famous sort of sommelier in the world. And he was my early mentor. He, he'd set up originally Hotel Duvan and he had a whole history of, of being very encouraging for women in the fine wine world. Because even to, to date, the top, top echelons of wine are still very much male dominated. Yeah. Um, and so that was really how I ended up in originally Champagne. I created my own brand after I graduated um, and had some lovely success in the fine wine world with Champagne. And then I transitioned much more recently, just pre-pandemic into alcohol free because my latest sort of thinking was that whichever way I cut it, alcohol wasn't healthy. Uh, you know, it, it was becoming the new tobacco in terms of global legislation yeah. and the way I was sort of viewing it in the world. And then then really the hypothesis for me was, could I bring the party without the alcohol? And for me, bringing the party was that beautiful pop of the cork on the, uh, the lovely bubbles of champagne. So how close could I get to that with an alcohol free? And that was how the whole concept of naughty came about. Yeah, I love it. I'm smiling if you could see me now. I'm smiling just as you say it because I've been waiting in many ways for this moment. As we touched on before we came on air, as it were, I was talking about the fact I've been involved in this for many years now, seven, eight years. And at the start, there was barely any alcohol-free alternatives, if not none at all, in truth. Uh, it wasn't particularly well stocked. I struggled everywhere I went to find anything that wasn't an orange juice. You know, it was so poorly stocked. The movement hadn't quite figured itself out yet. The thinking was very much still black and white around alcohol. It was either you had a massive problem, therefore you didn't drink, or you didn't, and therefore you did. Didn't quite understand the whole transition that we've got at the moment, this beautiful gradient of alcohol-free and sober influencers and people seeing it as this wellness trend. And I've been saying for so, so long, you know, this is years in advance, even of us meeting, that what we need are the bright minds. We need the people like yourself that have come through the industry, that know it really well, that can brand, that can market, that can put this stuff together and make it taste amazing and then transition it into alcohol free. So as you're telling that story, I'm like, there it is. That's what I've been waiting for <laughs> all it. along. Well, you were a really early pioneer. Um, well done you. Yeah. And I guess I'm being considered a pioneer now in the wine alcohol free space, yeah. because that had been given little to no love at all, actually, prior to my brand launching. 
Yeah, and this is really important for me because back to the same reason, you know, I do, and sort of correct me if I'm wrong or right on this, I've always seen wine and, and wine creation as a bit of a science in many ways. It feels like the bright minds, the boffins in many ways get together and create, you know, these delicious tastes for people. So I've always... I don't, I don't know if I strictly agree. Um, I think it's all about farming in many ways actually uh, and and the soil and i i like your romanticism uh, it's quite sexy the idea of, of the bright minds and i think that that's a fair analysis of the branding and when it comes to marketing and sales but in terms of production i think it all really goes back to the soil and technically farming actually yeah, so this is fascinating for me because this is the stuff that I don't know. So there's me being generalizing and, and assuming for all of these years because I don't quite understand it. And what's exciting about this conversation and what you're doing is that but you are thinking about these things now, not only alcohol-free, but also the branding and the taste. And again, this is me, my guesstimate from the outside looking in. It's always felt like the wine industry has been really, really slow to embrace this really slow to sort of put their marketing spends and their bright minds behind this movement. Whereas the alcohol-free lagers and, and beers have been around for, for so much longer. It feels like there's just starting to gain momentum now in the alcohol-free space. And you said it yourself that you're very much seen as a pioneer in this space. Um, and how are you, how do you see the evolution of this? Well, just to touch on your, your previous point, I think that the fine wine world has been very stuck. Now, on the one hand, it's a beautiful thing, the tradition, but I think it has made itself so exclusive at the higher mm. levels that that almost stimmed new opportunities. And I think it took somebody like me who had the gumption in many mm. ways to really blow all that apart because I cannot tell you even when I started a champagne brand, it was even vaguely easy or I was welcomed. Innovation in the fine wine space at higher levels, if you're making good stuff, it's almost like it's not frowned upon, but it's such a closed shop. And I think because I came from broadcasting, I was a journalist, I was not afraid to ask questions. I wasn't up, afraid to upset Apple cars. Uh, and I knew that the business opportunity was vast. I think that was where the gap lay that was almost open to me if I was prepared to take it. But would I sort of have to have been prepared to just assume that I wasn't gonna make any friends along the way early stage? Absolutely. So I think you've got those two vast barriers to entry, which are the history yeah. and the closed shop. And then you've got the other sort of vast issue in the fine wine space, which is really uh, an, an almost sort of negative looking down upon anything that brings change. And you can't underestimate that enough, actually. And, and I think the new wine world, as we call it, in a snobby way, 
in the, in Australia, New Zealand, America, they're much more open. But but where yeah. I trained in France, I mean, that was the pinnacle of, of tradition. And I remember even before I got into alcohol free, I mean, how dare I launch a champagne brand? How dare I be a British woman, yeah. a woman launching a champagne brand? So I think you've got all of these beautiful layers of tradition and history that really have closed everything off to innovation. And, and of course, if everybody's shutting down conversations all of the time about new things, I think you have to really, you know, have a bold vision to, 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 to break through that. So once I'd done it with, with champagne, I think, you know, I, I tackled that one. And so alcohol free for me, I would say was easier in the sense that I already knew who who I'd be upsetting or who I'd upset, and I I think as a journalist you develop quite thick skin anyway, um, and so I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to change the world, which I think once you've got a really ambitious vision, then then that's what you set out to do. And I think it was very interesting the people now who who want to list or want to be friendly or you know and, and that's fine and 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 I have always treated everybody with grace and respect even when early days they were desperately patronizing and I think um actually it it was if I could look on it in a magnanimous way it was and continues to be occasionally super useful because you've got so much bandwidth whereas if i tried to innovate in fashion in tech in crypto yeah. in pretty much anything in 2022 you know everybody else was there trying to do that but you really just had me initially who, who was playing in that space yeah i think that's one of the really exciting things it's still so embryonic and it feels like this wave and again to come back to my own experience of you know the last eight years and seeing it when no one got it no one really understood what we were about and the alcohol free movement again it was that black and white thinking around alcohol and to see that sort of speed up over the last three four years has been nothing short of stunning you know i feel very proud to be a part of that movement and have been you know uh, you know one of the bigger voices in it for a long while because i love it it's my passion that people are getting this message in that actually they can live their life a little bit differently however they choose to but also be grown up and have delicious drinks and alcohol free alternatives because they deserve it and i think that demand is there so the fact that you're now fulfilling that that need at this high end i think is so incredibly important and inspiring and like you say it's been quite maverick of yourself as a female in that industry i can imagine that that was very difficult and a british one at that to to break down those walls but maybe that's been your superpower i guess in many ways to give you the courage to do it again because if i've upset the apple cart once right let's go for the alcohol free yeah stuff. i mean there was such a big opportunity i think as a journalist you're all about zeitgeist i, I i've always been about the moment and of course as a journalist you're always looking at future trends and so your idea of when a trend is happening is often earlier you know i've always wanted to go to the latest restaurant or go to the most exciting new country that you can fly to or you know the next new shiny thing as a journalist in the art space historically was always exciting for me and so i think that was really what drove that a bit like you with your story it's like you know the opportunities there and or you have to feel it very strongly in your own heart because early days everyone else is going to tell you it's pretty absurd but that's often when i know i'm onto something 
And I think it's just been crazy. This this past festive season, I think we had 30 pieces of mainstream media across the world, uh, mainstream TV, uh, radio and, and press column inches, um, literally every day. I mean, I woke up today, wow. we're in the Financial Times, woke up the other day, we're on Good Morning America, the other day, mainstream Australian telly. It's been insane. Wow. You know, and yeah. then we keep getting all of our wonderful global partners Quoting naughty, just saying it's naughty. That's the bestseller. It's naughty that everybody loves. It's Amanda who's created the benchmark. And I'm like, I cannot underestimate this. This is just crazy. And so I've really got an incredible springboard now, which I, I, I'm just so over the moon about. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, this is a cultural thing now. This is where it's getting so exciting. The whole movement in itself. And I've got a 15 year old daughter and it was really something I stumbled upon just the other day I hadn't even considered and we've always got alcohol-free alternatives in the house and she was off to this party I wasn't particularly involved with her going but she grabbed a bottle of um, alcohol-free sparkling and went to this party and I thought oh good on her that's a really cool thing to take as a 15 year old you know you feel grown up you can sort of celebrate a little bit but obviously there's no alcohol involved and then when she arrived to this party there was loads of it there and I was like, what a ch-? like that is a cultural shift in behavior, isn't it? Like that never existed in our lives growing up. And here they are, 15 year olds want to be grown up, want to, you know, exactly in that place where we, we've all been before. But now they've got an opportunity to do so and not do something that might be, you know, upset what it is they're trying to do in their life or cause them to do something they later regret as a young person. And actually they can go and celebrate and enjoy it and have something that tastes really delicious and grown up. I mean, that is like culture is shifting before our very eyes and you're a massive part of that. And hopefully I've been a little bit a part of that as well. Like, it's just so exciting. And just on that note, I just wonder where do you see the future of this going now? What's the sort of next steps almost? So, I think that there's no getting away from the fact that this isn't a trend that's going anywhere. It's, it's, it's growing exponentially. And I, I sort of see it very much. Um, I remember a year or two ago saying I see it, and a few people have jumped on this anecdote, but as the way the plant-based movement was, say, veganism 10 years ago, ballpark, you know, the, the, the gate's been open, we're, we're coming out, uh, you know, and we're getting out into the world. And I just think the fact that Naughty, which only launched um, in 2019, is now in, I think it's coming up for 35 countries around the world. Wow. Um, tells me that this trend has only just started. Um, and I think that what's been fantastic for my brand is we're really successful with the sober community, which is fabulous yeah then equally fabulous and really interestingly i think we're huge with drinkers too who want to mix things up a bit and recognize that they're perhaps drinking a bit too much or it's great to have a day off or for whatever reason so i think that there's this opportunity with everybody once we all really learn to live with the fact that alcohol isn't healthy and can cause all kinds of issues, even if we want to still continue to enjoy it from time to time. I think the more respect we can have if we're enjoying alcohol for it in drinking better and less, as I always used to say when I had my own champagne brand, and then mixing it up with predominantly alcohol-free drinks, I think that is the undeniable future. 
And I think the more brilliant producers are inspired, hopefully by me, by you, by all of the wonderful drinks that are coming out there without alcohol, I think that the more of an exciting place the space becomes for, for everybody in the world. And I think what shocked me most um, has been me approaching a new market let's take say America or South Korea. Yeah. Now you approach a market and I was adamant that each of my different markets would be entirely different from the other in terms of the consumer. So I was completely respectful culturally, uh, you know, of course in dealing with any of the distributors, but, but importantly thinking the consumer would be entirely different. Now the opposite has proved to be true. What I've ended up being shocked about is just how similar the global consumer is, whichever territory I'm talking about. And that for me has been a really interesting learning and one that I wouldn't have put money on. And so that again proves out that, I mean, we live in a fairly homogenous world now because of the internet, don't we? And so that yeah. obviously is highly pertinent in this conversation. But I think that the modern consumer, whichever country you pick that we're selling in, has much more in common than I would have even dreamt of, which I think is quite fascinating. It is. And it also shows the, the potential and the diversity for alcohol-free. Like you said, it's not just a sober community. It's actually those that drink, but maybe want to drink a little bit less and they can punctuate those nights out with naughty for example and still feel grown up and part of the crack and the banter and enjoy the celebration of life and in many ways you mentioned about the plant-based movement and i know that was your story from a young age through your parenting and that's been mine as well actually for about the last seven or eight years predominantly but i think it's going to give people that opportunity like they're doing at the moment around plants where you can eat more plants during the week and then maybe at the weekend you have whatever some animal products or whatever your setup is and maybe that's going to be similar with alcohol, that people will start to save it for those special occasions. And in the middle, you're tipping around or vice versa, in truth, that there's this new opportunity to slow that down rather than being this mindless thing that shows up absolutely bloody everywhere on a day that ends in wide, that's stressful, that's a celebration, that's a commiseration. There's another opportunity now. Absolutely. There's alternatives. Like it's so bloody powerful. And I know even, um, I think I saw one of your quotes saying that, uh, the market's estimated to end up at like 1.6 trillion by 2025. That is just Crazy. nuts. Isn't it? I mean, it's so exciting. I, I, I'm, yeah, I, every day when I wake up now and there's something new exciting that's out there in, in, in the bars online or in the press or, and I, you know, it's, it's everything I, I could have dreamt of and more really. So I think the time is now really. Oh, it is. It absolutely is now. So there's two things I just want to cover. Um, sugar and then red wine. I've got to get to the red wine chat. I know red wine's not in your portfolio. I don't think it is at the moment, but let's just start with red wine. What is your view on alcohol-free red wine? Do you see that sort of coming through? I know that, that it exists already, but it's probably the one area that I would hear the most. I'm not going to say complaints, but a sense that they haven't quite got that on point just yet. Well, funnily, funnily enough, we're launching one um, in a month or two. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So I've been working on that for a long time. It's a huge challenge. It's the biggest challenge, I would say, yeah. because in fine wine speak, in wine speak, you get mouthfeel from bubbles. So even a 
even an alcohol-free sparkling that hasn't been given any love, um, if you're chucking a lot of sugar in there to mask imperfections in taste and you've got the bubbles, you get what you call mouthfeel in wine speak. And, and red is really tricky, much trickier than white and rosé, interestingly, um, because of the different acidity levels and just the, just really the texture and bite that you expect from, from a, from a red. And so um, I've got one launching. It's along the Pinot Noir style. What's, What's interesting is we're making it with Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's, it's made with a grape that's traditionally, creating a much fatter red mm. but the way the dealcoholization process goes you end up with more of an elegant lighter red so that's what i'm launching i've worked on it a long time um we've had some lovely early buzz everything's a work in progress for me i mean you know taste for me it, you know is constantly something i'm constantly striving to perfect and whether it's even naughty, my sparkling already exists. I always want things to be better. I, I was known on my wine course for being terrible with facts and figures. I'm all about taste and palate. You know, they call it palate in the wine world. And so my red, I'm super happy with. I'll be continuing to innovate, um, but that will launch in a, in a couple of months. And then I've got a white and a rosé coming out in the spring, summer. So at that point, we've squared the circle, as they say. Yeah. We've got a whole portfolio uh, across the board. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, it really is. And this is what, again, I've been waiting for. And I knew this was going to happen at some point. I've been predicting this for a long while. Again, saying to people, don't worry, it's going to come. The, 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 the bright mind, they're going to get behind it. And we're going to see some absolutely top class Red wines, white wines, sparkling wines already there. Champagne's already there, as you've said, which is fantastic in itself. And I think at that point, then the whole market is covered, if, essentially, if you know what I mean. We've got the seed lip, the gins, we've got the, the beers, we've got the wines. And then really that taste argument, to a more or less extent, is out the window. There's an opportunity as an adult to drink and consume something that's delicious, that feels grown up, which helps with that social ease and that relaxation and just to seal the deal on a lovely day or celebrate or commiserate it's done and dusted and i think that's such a powerful thing to bring to the world to give people the opportunity to do so and drink those grown-up drinks so again i'm going to be behind this all day long i can't wait for you to taste yeah, as I say, it'll be a constant innovation, but I am excited about the yeah. red. Um, my husband was an interesting taste tester. He comes from the film and TV world, and he historically was a really happy, high-class red wine drinker and um, would probably himself say, you know, drank too much of it. Um, had leukemia and a transplant um, very successfully and touch wood is super oh, wow. healthy again now. Yeah, it's quite a crazy story for another time. And um, he uh, he was my key focus um, initially for the red and he's over the moon about it. So, oh, wow. so that was, yeah, he's really over the moon about it because he doesn't touch a drop of alcohol now. So he's my perfect guinea pig. Oh, really? And was that because of the leukemia and just a, a transition or just something else? I think he probably sees it in his mind now as toxic. Yeah. And of course, whichever way we look at it, I still love a glass of fine wine. I, I'm very aware that it is technically. And I think, um, I think he faced up to that ugly truth and that's, that's why really. 
Oh yeah, fascinating. And and say so my my wife, she still drinks. I choose not to. And and you know, everyone to their own with all of these things. Like I've said, I think it's just beautiful now that we're giving people real world class options. Um, I just want to come back to the other point, sugar, because this is a big one as well around this. And you touched on the point that you can almost mask some of the taste with sugar and bubbles. I noticed that this is a big part of what you do really is to be really focused on not adding unnecessary sugar, for example. Yeah. I mean, naughty comes in, they usually say the lowest. Now we didn't come in as the lowest for the sake of being the lowest. We came in as the lowest because I'm all about balance and I believed it was balanced with the amount of sugar we added. For me, sugar and alcohol-free wine is, um, it's a complicated beast because you do need a lot of sugar to compensate um, and to balance off what you end up with, with quite high acidity after dealkoholizing. But it's still, as with conventional alcoholic wine, is often used to mask imperfections. So it's this slight double-edged sword. Um, and so, yeah, I was mindful of trying to find the perfect level of sugar as I would have been in my champagne. In fact, I had a champagne that was what they call brut nature, which is zero added sugar. So just the fruit sugar, whereas in alcohol free, um, I think a couple of sort of radical producers have tried it. It's a step too far on the palate for me and it, it doesn't create a delicious drink. And, and for me, my alcohol free should be a delicious drink rather than striving to put something in or out that, that should or shouldn't be there for the sake of it sort of being yeah. on the label. So so that there's always that balance for me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope we've got it right. Um, luckily, people seem to think we have. Yeah, and I think that's a really important focus to have, trying to strike that balance, because that's one of the things I think we've noticed in a lot of the alcohol-free alternatives, especially early on, they were just so sugar-focused that you almost couldn't drink too much of them anyway, because it was just it was just overwhelming. Whereas now I think if you can strike that balance and I know it's something you focus on a lot, then you've got this delicious drink that's not so high in sugar that actually it's almost netting off some of the benefits of the alcohol, which I think is so incredibly important. And then one question before um, we draw it to a close, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I did notice during the Grand Prix, did I notice that Naughty was yeah involved. that was tell crazy. me about that that was well, so cool it, it was a happy accident and um we're now in private talks with a few interesting people that i, I can't announce a deal because it's still being discussed that was an incredible happy accident um one of my um finance uh, people called called and said well done for the grand prix and i was like what do you mean well done for the grand prix <laughs> and he'd screenshotted he's a he's a racing obsessive he'd screen taken a screenshot of naughty there with lewis hamilton walking past it and i was like okay that's a moment and it turned that out is. one of our middle east partners had 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 got it there without me even wow. knowing i mean that's wow. when you kind of go okay this is a thing. Naughty's arrived, you know. Um, yeah. There's been a few moments like that. Yesterday, I was lucky enough. I don't know if you you know the fashion designer, Anya Heimarch. Um, she's probably, along with um, the founder of the White Company, Chrissy Rucker, those yeah. two are probably the, the most incredible British female entrepreneurs. She's created a, a fashion empire um, with her handbag business. Um, and, and she's got a pop-up um alcohol-free off-license in, in Victoria at the moment. And we were lucky enough to, to have a meeting yesterday with a group of female entrepreneurs. 
And um, she turned around and said to me, um, oh, my, my son, she said, rocked up at a dinner party the other day and, and he arrived with, with Naughty. And I said, oh, I know the founder of that. And, and then the, the, the entrepreneur sitting next to me with a sustainable fashion brand, she said, oh, my God, Naughty, is that you? She said, my best mate, he just brought a bottle of that to dinner. You know, and then I'm like, okay, yeah. this is a thing. Because yeah. it's all very well people you know, love, your customers, you know, your clients, you know, who obviously I value them all dearly and love it when they rave about naughty. But you're in that lovely sort of vacuum where people are talking about each other, about things they know. So I think once you get to that sort of buzz, so I had that Grand Prix thing and the Annie High March thing and the Financial Times today, you know, all in a week you're going, okay, now we're cooking with gas, hopefully, globally. Yeah, it's so exciting. I must admit, I was thrilled when I saw that because I watched the Grand Prix. I mean, it's one of the greatest races ever in, in that sport. And to to feel that Naughty and Alcohol Free made a presence there for me was thrilling and exciting. And just on, one Oh, one I was going to say, one. yeah, you go. And then I was going to say something about that. I'll go on, carry on. You carry on and then I'll come Sorry, to my question. Sorry, I just was going to add... We've not even scratched the surface of sport and naughty yeah. and where we should be. And it makes complete egalitarian sense to, for us to, to, to be at all of these sporting yep. events. Um, I mean, athletes mostly don't drink when they're exactly. working. Um, you've got all these Muslim sort of sports people um, who don't drink for religious reasons, often around spraying champagne, which is clearly highly inappropriate. So I think there are so many opportunities in sport where Naughty needs to be alongside or instead of Champagne. Yeah, and that was exactly going to be my question because obviously sport, you've got that traditional, especially Grand Prix, the spraying of the Champagne, which is totally incongruent with what it's all about. And I don't know if you know my backstory, but I was a professional footballer. I'm involved in a sports agency right now. So we've got players coming through and athletes coming through. And at the elite levels, they're not drinking anymore. Those days are gone of lads rolling out the nightclubs yeah. at 2am. You know, the odd exception, but on the whole, that doesn't exist. And I think the person in the street still likes to believe that's the case when it's not anymore. You know, at that elite level, there is no room for alcohol at all, really, if only on a rare occasion. So then to frame that with that traditional celebration of the champagne that gets sprayed around when actually you look around and most people don't even go near it anymore. So to be able to supplement that with something that feels celebratory, like a naughty and people can still spray it around and have all the excitement and then everyone can get involved and it's still sending a powerful message to our children and the people in the stands and the fans watching it that actually there's my hero not drinking, still being grown up, celebrating something how bloody powerful will that be? Yeah, you sold it right back to me so beautifully. Love that. That's exactly my sentiment. Wow, I love it. I love it. All right, well, we'll choose that as a nice point to wrap things up. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I think that's been fascinating. It's been a long time coming. Keep flying the flag. Keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely fabulous. The pleasure was mine. And thanks for paving the way early days. That You know, probably if you hadn't done that, I might not be here. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, maybe we'll do some things in the future together as well. Thank you Love so to. much, Amanda. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And to show the podcast some love, please subscribe and download. And if you could tell just one more person about the podcast, that would be amazing. 
And don't forget I'm live every single weekday around 7 a.m. on Facebook and Instagram if you want to come and interact live, ask me questions. I'll be sharing my best wisdom at 7 a.m. every weekday live, Facebook and Instagram at Andy Ramage Official. And also don't forget if you want to train with me to become a world-class coach, go to andyramage.com courses. And if you want to train with me to develop yourself, also check out the courses. It's all there, andyramage.com. Also, when you go to andyramage.com, you can sign up to my newsletter there, get all the updates on the latest and greatest courses, get my weekly roundup of things that you might find inspirational, aspirational, and motivational. In my weekly newsletter, you can sign up at andyramage.com. Finally, thank you, Matt McCormick, for producing the show. All right, hopefully I'll see you back here very soon. Let's do this. Let's do this.